Welcome back to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host. And this is a really fantastic starter to the year. The inimitable, enjoyable, and incredibly humble, charitable human being, Don W. Long. Don is somebody who I'm super proud to be able to do anything I can with. He's just such a pleasure to speak with. Very inspirational. One of those personalities that really carries through and and is to his word. Don's been doing a ton of work around coaching, and he does a neat thing right now. It's called World Class Business Systems. It's a fantastic compendium to the actual coaching that program that he's doing. He's been successful, so he's he's got that lived experience. Anyways, anyways, you, you got to go check it out. Uh, so listen to this podcast; it's great. And if you haven't already, go back and, and check out some of Don's previous uh, times on the show. He's uh, really, really been somebody I, I enjoy spending time with and sharing his story. And in the meantime, as well, talk about sharing your story. The one story you don't want to share is the one that says, "Hey, I got ransomware, and I wasn't really ready." But if you go to Veeam you can see how to get ready. It just works as it should. And that's really the goal of the Veeam team is how do we make sure we've got true data protection across the lifecycle on any platform, even back to physical backups, all sorts of amazing stuff. So go check it out. Go to vee.am forward slash Disco Posse. And that uh, drops you right to a neat little spot that lets you know that old Disco sent you over there. Always a great uh, help if you do support our sponsors. Plus, I, I, I really love them. They're such fantastic people. So go go check it out. Also, the Shift Group. J.R. Butler and all of his team at Shift Group are turning high-performing athletes into high-performing, ready-to-go sales teams. Whether you want to build a sales team and you need to staff it individually, or you want to talk about strategy. Look, if you're not selling right now, even in this really difficult economy, in fact, you have to do it because of this economy. If you're not selling now, you're going to feel that pain three, four quarters from now. Don't get caught out. Grab some time with JR at the Shift Group. Go to shiftgroup.io and you can get connected. Really, really amazing people. Great story. Also been on the podcast recently, so go check that episode out. And of course, I got to give a shout out to Diabolical Coffee, the most devilishly good coffee that's in the business. So go to diabolicalcoffee.com and get yours today. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Here's Don W. Long. We're in good shape. We can just kind of, we'll just riff, you know, and uh, and do what we can to bring attention to anything you got. As I said, feel free to point to people to URLs or whatever you want. I'm I'm a hundred percent. I endorse anything that you got to say, Don. So you're, uh, you I'm happy to share whatever you're working on. Well, yeah. So you know, they can always check out my website, which is donwlong.com. Pretty much is easy to get to. Um, kind of talks a little bit about what I do with people. Um, the reason I wanted to reach out, I had actually reached out to, a, uh, you know, you because we had hit it off so well in the last couple of times we've talked. And I, I thought, man, your audience would really benefit from this because what I've technically been doing is going to um, like not large corporate teams, but typically VP level teams and uh, teaching the, the system itself 
depending on what the needs are of each company. Um, and that would be individuals as well. You know, so there's so much in here. Most people focus on, uh, you know, the sales aspect of it because I've got three, I got three different basically chapters that deal with either getting new clients, uh, retaining clients, uh, or either building uh, your system, your sales system in your teams or your people. And if you're in one person operation, you, so that you can keep the process going. So there's three different modules that are dedicated to nothing but sales. Um, actually, if you put communications, the very first module in the, in the workbook, and it's, it's probably the most important um, for people in business, especially if you have more than yourself on your team. Um, but even if it's just you as an individual entrepreneur, um, when you're talking to your clients, what I realized over about 35 years and after building six different businesses and, and uh, sales being over $100 million in revenue in those businesses over 30 years was that the communication piece is so um I want to say it's neglected from the from the point of thinking like this. I'll just give you what I mean. Um, communication should be set up in your business to communicate to your clients the way they want to receive communication, not the way you give communication. Right. On. That statement alone will change anyone's business if they'll just vet that out. Because what I found in doing different businesses and, and building teams is that Everyone on your team or, or you as an individual has a certain personality profile. And you typically want to talk to people a certain way because that's the way you are. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the problem is, is that when you go visit a client, um, your client uh, might not be who you are. <laughs> so you have an issue. Um, and this is where you really have to learn how to read uh, and I teach some of this in the, in the systems, uh, how to read people to kind of figure out where they're at so you can figure out how to communicate to them because people will not come out to you, come, you know, come right out and say, Hey, I want to receive communication this way. Nobody does yeah. that. You know? yes. If uh, only they did, it'd be much easier. <laughs> it would be much easier because you could develop rapport so much quicker with people because at the end of the day, communications is, is, is two or threefold. You know, it's about reaching out to new clients or existing clients. It's about developing rapport for what you're bringing to the table, whether it's a result, service or product, and then being able to, hey, develop a win-win situation for your clients and for you. And if you can do that consistently, you will have, you know, all the business that you want. Um, it's more about figuring out how the the individual clients that you have want to receive the communication. So that's a big piece that actually goes with the sales piece as well. But I don't really talk a lot about sales uh, because for years, I'll just give you a little bit of my background. For years, when I was building communication, what I was primarily doing was learning how to communicate and lead the people that were working in the organization that I led. Um, I did, and, and that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but in the beginning, what I did was I thought the only important communications is, is to make sure we're communicating to our clients, right? Actually, if you have a team, your most important communication is your team first, then your clients. And most people do that backwards in the beginning uh, because they feel like I've got to have clients or I don't have a business, right? So I, I get that. But what I ended up realizing, and this is, this is a, another one of those statements that people will benefit from it if they bat it out, especially if they have teams, is that the way you communicate to your people 
is the way they are going to communicate to your clients. So make sure you're communicating to them the exact way you would want them to communicate to the clients because they're going to, whether you believe that or not, that's just the way it happens. I've seen it for over 30 years. And uh, to be honest with you, the first 10 years in business, um, uh, probably didn't want my people communicating to the clients like I was communicating them because I didn't know what I was doing, you know? <laughs> so. Well, this brings up a really interesting point, Don. And and that's why, you know, luckily we've, we've chatted in the past for people who haven't had a chance, they should go back and I'll have links in, in below here. They should go back and check out our earlier podcast. But like the lesson here is really solid that both on the the building and the hiring side and around messaging and vision, like vision mapping is such a really, it seems like this thing and people are like, well, let's, like you said, let's build the client base. Let's make sure we can survive the business aspect first. But like you, it has to be done in parallel. It has to be done with purpose and intent. And what I found too, in watching this occur and I, I, I first I thought it was a little odd. I, we had, you know, the founder of my previous company would like walk along the sales buses, like all the call desks, and he would stop and listen to the calls and then talk to the people. It's like, hey, you know, I noticed you, use, you talked about it this way because they maybe they develop a crutch. Like they like, hey, when I said this thing that was not on the script, but it had a really good result, that may be true. But if, if it goes too far off message or begins to take away from things, so both in the messaging as well as even just general culture, you know, the old, uh, I think, I forget who had said it, basically the first 10 you hire are going to hire the first 100. And then so that if you don't build that as like a pervasive injection of vision, message, purpose, style, and, you know, Culture is or is that thing, and then and like you said, it's the old saying as goes as uh, culture is how they behave when you're not looking. You know, you have to make it so obvious and and normal that when you take off for a week or you go on a call or whatever, you can you have complete trust that your consistency is is being built by that team because then they can bring back those learnings to you. And, you know, thus the name of the system, you talk about world-class business systems, like that's such a fantastic, like label uh, for, for what it is that, that you've done, because this is like, this is a, a set of, you know, sort of rule, I don't say rules, I'll say a set of ways in which you can enact these processes and practices and ask the right questions while doing so that will result in communication, sales, and ultimately operations. I, I like how you've you've separated out the sort of functional parts of the system and and uh, you know yeah I mean and I was lucky too. We we think we talked uh, after our last chat, which goodness gracious, if I was far too long ago, but luckily you know we 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 do so well. It feels like yesterday. And you were kind enough to share with me, you know, what, what this workbook, you know, was and talking about like, you're trying to sort of, how do I turn, what, what do I do with this thing? And it was very interesting. I looked at it like, this is, this is a finished product. Like there's nothing out there that's like this. And so now to see it and find out how it's being used, you know, especially in 2023, like this is an entrepreneur's heaven. You know, it's a real true opportunity for for folks to get started, whether it's 
a side hustle or a, or a hustle hustle. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I'm bullish as a guy who left a full, perfectly functional full-time job to start a company in 2022 in the beginning of the worst economy. I'm like, uh, maybe I'm not the, you know, I may be an odd one to listen to, but it's working out. <laughs> and it's because I'm following, you know, practices that you shared with me and, 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 and great folks that I've chatted with on the podcast too, just lessons that, you know, I don't need to learn this stuff myself the hard way. I can I can take previously learned lessons, experience them. You still learn experiencing. It's not like it's gospel. This is the way it will always work. But like, oh, okay, let me just save you. You know, get you one step closer to the to the practiced goal. Right. Yeah. You know the the key as list I was listening to you. The, the number one key for people to speed up success in life, whatever it is they're doing, is modeling. It's simply modeling. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, a lot of this stuff that, that's in the world-class business systems, um, some of it I built, some of it I modeled, some of it I implemented after I experienced certain results and certain things that did and didn't work. And then I you know, crafted uh, the plans, policies, and procedures uh, of how I would implement that different thing, whether it was HR or whether, whether it's sales. Um, it was more about learning over about a three and a half decade period. And then also seeing the things that worked and seeing the things that didn't work. And a lot of that, I would have to say, I don't know, probably 50% of the workbook came from me modeling people who were much more successful than I was. And then I just did the things, Hey, do this in sales, do this in, in your leadership meetings, you know, and, and, and put those things in place because look at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. Um, I do CrossFit. So for anyone that's listening that works out or it does gym, the CrossFit people are fairly crazy to start with. So at least the group <laughs> I was with definitely is. And so, but what, what happened to me about 10 years ago is I went into the gym and I was working out at a YMCA and there was these couple of guys who were doing these CrossFit on their own and I'd never heard of it and they invited me to work out with them well the problem was both of them were athletes and I was not <laughs> and then both of them were 20 years younger than me you know so there was there but for some reason they liked me and they invited me in, in the first I don't know three or four months I thought I was going to die every time I worked out you know but what ended up happening over about a year and it was probably more into probably two years but one to two years into the process, I became an athlete. And all I did was just show up and model yeah. and try not to die. That's pretty much, pretty much it. Well, if you take that same concept and you go into business and you find people that have, you know, for, for me, the, the primary company that I ran for three and a half decades that I sold in 2019, uh, over three decades, we did over $100 million in sales. So I know a little bit about sales. Uh, and I built and we got to where, you know, um, in our industry, um, we were in the top 1000 companies in the United States that did what we did um, at the end of 2018 before I sold the business. Um, and that was out of approximately it was just shy of 100,000 companies in the United States. So, you know, I don't say that to brag on me. I just say that, hey, basically the way I got there was modeling and taking things, bits and pieces from other people, and then having, as you were saying earlier, my own experience with the information. You got to have your own experience with the information, right? So it becomes yours because I can give you a sales script, for instance, but it really needs to become your language. Right. You know, you need to be able to cover that in your language that it feels congruent and real coming from you instead of something you mimic like a parrot. You know, so 
Um, but you know, it's, yeah, it, it, sometimes it's hard modeling because it requires you to step your game up. And it also requires you to see how short you come in, a, uh, you know, how shortfall, much shortfall you have <laughs> in the workout, that thing. I don't know that I ever caught the guys I worked out with. And I worked out with this one group for about five years. And, uh, but I can tell you this, by the time they spent two years with me, everyone who came in our group that was 20 years younger than me, I could outwork them on everything we did. That's yeah. how much of an athlete I became. And that all became, that's what I'm saying with people wanting to look to build something. Hey, find someone's information that, that you can glean from, let them coach you. And boy, you're talking about turning days into decades. Now, one thing that's interesting about this is the a problem that you've been able to get past. And even your example about the CrossFit group shows that they probably also got past this too, is we call it the curse of knowledge, right? Once we acquire a skill or acquire a capability, we effectively forget how we acquired it. And we immediately sort of fast forward. And, and I use it for like, say for the folks that are on camera, so you tell people like making a card disappear is easy. All you do is you just, you just make the card disappear. And, and it's, and you, then you try and show somebody who's never done it before. And you realize like, I dropped that card about a thousand times before I was able to do it. Cause it's like, and you make the symbol and then you put your, and like even doing it slow for me, it's like, I can't not do it every time now because I've just done this repetitive practice of doing a thing that's a muscle memory. And that muscle memory is very difficult to forget as you're teaching, coaching, documenting. So how do you take the skills you've got and bring someone through that journey while giving them the space to experience it and not like, how do you bring yourself back to their current experience level in order to make sure that they can get to your current experience level? Well, it kind of all, all revolves around a couple of things for me. Basically, I start, uh, you know, um, first of all, I want to when I meet like if I'm meeting with you one on one. And uh, it's not a company setting, like a whole team. What if a meeting and you one-on-one, the first question I'm going to ask is, you know, what, what is it that you want to get out of this? You know, what's your outcome? Uh, because I need to know where you're at, where you're at as a person an individual or even team. And okay, what is your expectations and what is your outcome? Basically the easiest way to say is to, for me to stay uh, for lack of better words, current, with the information and it just not become subconscious like your card trick. And cause I can, I can take the machine gun these things off because I've done them so long and expect people to understand what I'm talking about when right. it just went right over their head. Right. Same way with the CrossFit moves. It, 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 it's a, it's a repetition is the mother of skill, right? So you just keep repeating the process with people. But what I do with the individuals, my very first student that I had back in, I think it was, uh, it's been about six years ago was a friend of mine. He's a musician. And uh, he didn't know anything about sales. And I'd known him for 10 years. So we were good friends. And he's a kind of a creative type, uh, left brain, creative type musician, you know, singer, songwriter. He's probably a world-class lighting guy that could light stages for like Led Zeppelin or anyone. He could do lighting that well. So he had that kind of skill set. Well, he had developed these products that he wanted to sell. So when I met with him, the very first thing, the, the only two things that I worked with him on in the beginning was what is it that you want? What's your outcome? 
And then I started working with what are your desires? What's the, what's the drive in you that's going to make sure that you stay motivated to be able to pursue the process because it's not going to be easy all the time. And so I really work on those two things in the beginning because I feel like if I can get, there's several others after that, but I really, most of the people that I get involved with, uh, if I can get them to articulate and really find where they want to be a year from now or two years from now, the outcome, and then I can get them to tie that to what I call motivators, where there's some desire and passion and drive inside of you that's pushing you. If I can get those two things connected, then I can go through the information quickly and easily because they will absorb it. And the, this particular guy, um, like I said, we'd been friends forever in his business. He, he'd never been successful with finances, never. He always struggled. Uh, within six weeks of me coaching him, um, he came in and um, he was like a changed person. He was like somebody had been born again again. You know, I mean, he's like he had a spiritual experience uh, with the information. But and he was on fire and he had and, and he had more clients than he could get to in six weeks. And I was like, wow, what, what, I, then he talked me into, it. he wanted me to start a podcast. I didn't end up starting one yet, but I basically took all the information and I created this system for him through voice memos called the selling influence. And there were 17 of them. And I sent them to him one, I dripped them to him one at a time. So one of the things that I do when I work with people, it takes time. So for instance, you're not going to be super wonderful overnight. Just like I wasn't going to be an athlete in a week. It's going to take months to be an athlete, right? And so what I try to get people is, even though they tell me the outcome they want, then I can look at them. Is this really realistic for you? You know, like if you're part-time, it's probably not. But even if if it's not realistic, what I try to do is say, look, you need to take time to receive the information, assimilate it, experience it, and learn how to do your own hand-to-hand combat. And if I can get, you know, go back to the very two things, if I can just get the outcome piece, and drive, desire, motivators, however you want to uh, put the verbiage around that piece, then I've got them hooked enough, if you will, to follow me through the process. Now, this is one of the things that, you know, we often get stuck as humans. You know, we see Instagram ads, we see Facebook ads. I mean, we see everything. We see all the stuff that says like, yeah, you know, you want that car, you just got to use my system. And and people have generally, they either begin by not believing that it's possible at all. And there's a reason to have that certain amount of skepticism because most of those are snake oil. But also they've tried it. We're not able to attach outcome to drive and motivation and persistence. So then they have a lived experience that was poor, believe that no other system could ever work. You know, or ultimately like this, it's that just pure belief that there's no way this can be real. You know, how can it be just, how can it be that easy? And that's the war. I just hate that phrase. People say like, oh, it must be so easy for you. And I just like, you just like, it's everything in your soul that's trying not to like, I'm going to grit my teeth. Like I had, you're, it's not, nothing is easy. I've just chosen to put my attention into uncomfortable things and a willingness to persist through them. <laughs> but I can tell you, it does get easier. Just like a marathon gets easier when you run a lot right. of them, 
but exactly no, right. they're not easy. It's you're always Never. 80% to 90% of your capability, not yeah. the, you're not looking at the race. You're looking at your race. And yeah, that's, right. that's right. But it's really easy for us to get like more people will disbelieve than believe just because it's in our nature. They're like, it can't be, if it's too good to be true, that's got to be the case. Right. And we hear this and, you know, how do we, I don't know. This is the question I've always asked. Like, how do we, how do we get people to the trough, so to speak, so that we can give them the tools that they already have in themselves? Like just how do we, how do we get more people to the point where they can find that thing they need and then get them towards it? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And I mean, that's one of the things that pushes me. And um, I'm kind of a personal growth junkie because I feel like that, you know, growth and contribution are, are probably the two most highest spiritual needs that I have. Um, and I want to, I want to grow so I can have something to contribute. That's why I'm always reading stuff. I've read hundreds of books of different types of makeup, but the, the, the key, you know, you, you said it right in the beginning of this, you said, it's not easy. So here's the thing. I have a life statement. I have a book that's got life statements in it. And one of them is everything is hard until it's not. It's the way it rolls. And I mean, if you read Scott Peck's book called The Road Less Traveled, he's a, it's an old book. It's been out forever. Uh, the first statement in the book, when you open it up, is life's hard, get over it. <laughs> and I mean, that's just, you know, it's like punches you in the face right out of the gate of the book. But basically what I've found is that for me, when you're asking me, what can I do to get people to the trough? All I can do is bring the best I have to the table when I communicate to people. And just hope that something touches them enough to get them to take the action. Because there is no secret formula. I can give you the ultimate success formula and that all your people will have heard this, some type of verbiage. There's four steps to it. What what are you looking for? What's your outcome? What's the goal? What what do you want to do with this information? Is Is it that you want to lose 30 pounds and be an athlete? You know, is, is that what you're coming for? Then, then, then there's, there's, there's actually things for you to do. Well, the second step is you have to take action. You have to take lots of it. And most of it, you know, building a business, most of the action you take, it seems like you don't get a result from it. You yeah. know, it's like, wow, this, this is not working. Well, that's the third step. You have to develop a sensory acuity about yourself to understand when you're taking action. Is it getting me closer to my outcome? Or am I getting further away from it? And then if, if the question is, if the answer is I'm getting further away from it, you have to be the fourth step is flexibility to change your plans, approaches, strategies, tactics, and actions. And then go back and do it again. Those four steps are literally all successful people do. Tiger Woods did this. Um, Tony Robbins did this. Um, President Reagan did this. Any, any actor you can think of that has become one of the top actors Pick your preference. They did some format of this, these four steps. Steven Spielberg Spielberg became the best Hollywood director by the time he was 36 years old because of these four steps. Right. He just, these four steps, he he tells the story. And it's like, so it's some format of them. They might not be exactly like I I just verbalized them to you, but it's going to be some genre of those four avenue of those four steps. And so what I found out with people, you know, with my, Go back to my original student six years ago. 
the thing that he did that was different than what people other people did is he listened to me and he went and took action. That's Bingo. All. Now this is just, this <laughs> this one's really close to home with me because I've got a few folks that I've that I work with closely and and I've over time I've noticed this and I've become better at spotting it. I used to invest a lot of outbound effort towards people thinking that I could help them, not realizing that they did not they were not ready to be helped and whether they did not want to or were not in the mindset to or were not capable of understanding that action was required. And I, I've gotten, I'm an older fella now, you know, I, I turned a half century in this just last year. So I've technically, I've have, I've had more wake ups already than I will have left. It's a little depressing to think about sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, but what I've learned now is that I can quickly spot when I tell somebody, Hey, you know, it'd be really cool. You know, I would, I would, I would try this. And then they come back to you in an hour and they go, I did that and it, it worked, you know, or I did that didn't quite work. What should I do different versus you? Know, someone says, I need to be, I, I need you to help me. And you would give them advice. And then you'd come back in a couple of days, like how to go. They're like, you know, I just, I need more advice. And you would, and you just keep giving them ideas and advice and talking through like that talk therapy is still helpful, but they would never take an action. Even if they agreed that the, something needed to be done, they wouldn't take the action. And it became sort of frustrating to me of like, I didn't, I didn't know how to disconnect from that mentoring relationship because it wasn't a mentoring relationship. It was, you know, it was a collegial you know, opportunity. And then like, they just needed to be listened to maybe, but nothing was coming of it. And so now that I've had to be laser focused on how I spend my time, I can kind of really quickly spot them. Like if I tell somebody, Hey, you know, I would, it would be neat to try this. And I learned this from my, the CEO of my last company. I used to joke about it because he would say, you know, what would be a great idea is if we did this. And then I thought like, oh, okay, yeah, he's just tossing advice out there. And then the next day he'd say, how did it go? <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Like he's basically giving you a 24-hour window in which you can test this hypothesis. And wow. and that all came together. And I was like, you know, so I've got a good friend of mine, John Meyer. He's uh, he's a podcaster as well. It just became an independent consultant. And, and he's like, we talk about like, you could say, Hey, you should try this. And he runs with it. And he comes back to me with like, this works, but this didn't work. And this is how I tried something different. And actually this is how it worked for me. So he's coaching me now. Like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, it's, uh, it's nice when you see it, but it was hard for me to recognize when somebody wasn't ready to be able to, to go to action. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, the, the, um, I would like to say that everyone that I've mentored and attempted to coach um, ended up turning out like my first pupil. But as you well know, that's not the case. But a lot of that, a lot of that depends on a lot of it depends on the individual. And, you know, it's unfortunate because um, the way to weed people out a lot of times is charge for your product and service and coaching. And then you can weed them out that way. Typically people value what they spend money on. 
Right. Um, and if, if they don't, they're just insane, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> if you buy a coaching program or a product that you think is going to change your life and you don't do anything with it, but you spent your hard earned money, money with it, then you're really not ready. You know, so the, 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 you know, that's the great thing for me about podcasts and about, uh, you know, platforms like you have is that typically the people who take their time out of their day, whether it's whenever they li listen to these things are typically on average more entrepreneurial than the average person. You know, right. they're, they're more, they're looking for, they're looking for ways to improve their life. That's the way I would say it. It might not be entrepreneur might not be the right definition, but they're definitely looking for ways to improve their life. And the, what happened to me just, you know, when, when I started this journey, when I was 20 years old, um, I had a friend of mine put two books in my hands. One of them was the magic of thinking big. And the other one was Think and Grow Rich. And uh, I read both of those books. And I was just going back through some of my notes um, in the Think and Grow Rich the other day. And what I realized is, is that, you know, Andrew Carnegie, who was the richest person in the world back at the turn of the century, late 1800s, turn of the century, he basically um, empowered the writer of Think and Grow Rich uh, to do the study over 20 years of the most successful people in America. And basically, Andrew Carnegie wanted this book to be a main foundation of all of our educational system. And in his estimation, our education would become half of what we needed if you instituted the, the tactics and the things that they had in Think and Grow Rich, which I thought was incredible. I didn't remember reading that in it. And I've read it so many times. I was like, wow, that I forgot about that, you know, and, and but the, the point is, is that there's information out there by the Bukus. You know, knowledge is just is not power. People who tell you knowledge is power is never really understood. It's not. It's only potential power. It's only potential because you have to articulate a actionable plan and strategy and tactics to actually get something out of the knowledge. Right. right. If I, you know, watch these people working out, but I never go to the gym, well, <laughs> I'm not going to get any fitter. It doesn't happen by osmosis of the mind. Right. Yeah, so, my, you know, um... I don't. I, I taught my uh, my oldest daughter that, you know, I said, watching sports and not taking those things and trying them out does not make you a sports person. I said, like, it's fine to be a sport enthusiast, uh, a viewer. I said, but if you want to you want to go the distance and, you know, as a result, she started to take those lessons. And I was very laissez faire about uh, how how I sort of introduced it, and then she ended up at at her you know when she was seventeen years old, just pre COVID, uh, was you know number eight in in Canada for junior nationals for girls slope wow. style you know, and so to have her self motivate towards that, but using the thing of like yeah taking in the knowledge, just the fact that she was investing in watching it, and that told me she was already on the journey. And then just giving her enough of a little nudge and then giving her the opportunity to practice it and learn from it. And then giving her the mo giving her the, 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 the monetary and time motive, you know, investment that she needed to get her to do this stuff and then watch her turn that into an outcome was pretty fantastic for me. Like that was like, all right, I've, I've, I've won as a parent, you know, you know, it's like something with four kids too. I'm like, I got to keep practicing this stuff and and some stuff sticks and some stuff doesn't, but the best you can do is teach them how to think, teach them how to learn. And then when they find their passion, 
the practices go into play. And uh, as Bill Walsh says, the score takes care of itself, <laughs> right? That's you, right. Right. you give them the, you give them the methods. You don't coach from the sidelines. You coach from the locker room and from the practice field. When they're out there, they're enacting the play that's already here. And it's, that's where the investment happens. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the thing about it to go along with that is like, that's why when I, when I work on, I, I have this, um, I have this little mini book that I've written that I haven't released yet um, that goes through the seven steps of kind of discovering who you are and how you do life. And the very first step is on desire. And that's why when I, when I was saying earlier, the outcome piece, but the next piece is, is passion, drive, desire, however you want to describe that. Because I feel like if it, your daughter's a perfect example. Something inside of her lit up and she and that drive inside of her, which was a consuming desire, made her put the work in. Without yeah. the desire piece, I've not seen anyone be successful because they won't take the action. Right. And it's like, so for me, it's big no matter whether I'm dealing with a corporate team in an S&P 500 company or whether I'm dealing with an individual, it is so big for me to get to a, like the, the I go back to uh, my first person, his name's Owen. And um, I asked him, I said, you know, what do you want? And he told, he was able to articulate that. And I said, well, why do you want it? What, what's the, what's the desire? What, what burns inside of you that's going to make you get up and take the action when everything's failing and when it's not working because it's not going to work most of the time. It only works, you know, if you take the 80-20 rule when you first start, probably 20% of your effort might work, maybe if you're decent, you know. So, you know, he was able to tie it to some motivators, uh, which I use for people who can't, you know, some people are not big on sitting down to be able to write a dream list. You know, uh, my mentors, one of them challenged me one time, said, you need to write 100 dreams down. And I tried the best I could. I got 46. That's all I could get. And, and I mean, I even had stuff as vague as being a better dad, you know, so you couldn't even really measure it per se, you know, so I yeah. had 46. And I, took, I, I was proud of myself. I took my 46 back to it, you know, but the reality of it is, is that you, you, you it, it, when you're coaching somebody, it comes back, back to me knowing you. And so for Owen, when he came back to me and he he actually talked to his wife because I told him, hey, write as many dreams as you can down. So I'll know you've got enough drive to, to do what I'm telling you to do. And uh, he came back and he said, you know what? My wife told me that if I write down 15 or 20 or 30 dreams, she said, I'm going to be scrambled eggs all over the place. And I said, great. That's a good person to take advice from your wife. So this is what we're going to do. We're not going to call them dreams. I want you to come up with two or three motivators. Two or three right. things that motivate you when things don't go well. Just those two it could be your kids. It could be providing college for them. It could be whatever. Just two or three motivators. I don't want you to have a big list of dreams. Like I'm going to have a jet and I'm going to, you know, whatever, you know, I'm going to be a rock star. Wh whatever your big dream is that, you know, is kind of outrageous. I want a Ferrari, you know, a $250,000 car and you can't even make a hundred grand a year. So, you, you know, whatever. But I tried to make it where it connected to his heart. And what I found is that people can connect to motivation and they can create drive and creating, you know, this because you watch your daughter do it. You don't even need any more lessons than that one lesson. The inward drive is what you've got to get to people. If you can get them to take the steps, the process will take care of itself, but you've got to take, you know, the, the longest journey, the, the shortest journey starts with the first step, right? Now here's a tough one. And I've, I'm seeing this play out. I've seen it play out in my own life and 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 many others, especially that go into entrepreneurship and 
there's that inborn drive. And so you tap that, you, you go to this next step, but it's a, they always say it's sort of a lonely path, not, not because you're alone, but you kind of, you have to be so focused on it sometimes that you lose, uh, you, you become a bit myopic around what's going on around you. And it's difficult for those in your life to, to be on that journey with you, but not, and like, you know, especially with, with kids, families, even friends, you know, uh, spouses, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to do that. So, I mean, Don, I'd love to hear sort of your experiences and, and maybe some of the, some of the challenges that you've seen play out, because I think that's, like I'm not here to just you know talk about it's all rainbows and and good stuff like things are going well but like you know unfortunately you know I've been in in a marriage that broke down and you know we've we've worked through it and it's going as best as it can and and we're doing the right things recognizing that there were challenges that we we couldn't surpass but what does it mean now that if I took the lesson I can't necessarily fix what happened but what I can do is hopefully help somebody else who's like, Hey, I'm seeing this pattern play out with me. And I'm like, I recognize that pattern. What like get help, reach out, connect with that person, like figure out what, what, cause your motivator is not their motivator. It can't be, it's almost yeah, impossible to, right. right. That's right. Yeah. The, um, you know, I, I just go back to the statement that I developed for myself and I read it every so often. And it's like, everything is hard until it's not. And um, uh, you know, the fortunate or unfortunate part, look at it this way, you know, my kids, both of my kids and, and my wife benefited from me being a business person because I was, you know, able to provide things that maybe some people couldn't provide for their families. But on the flip side of that, which is the side you're talking, is the raw side of it of, you know, how do you deal with all of the missed time or the 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 overwork or the, you know, the friction that it causes when you can't be you know, with them like you want to, or when you go on vacation and, uh, you know, I never went on a vacation for 30 years that I didn't call and check in and, and, right. and they couldn't understand it, you know, because they didn't run a business with lots of people, you know, and maybe if you're an individual entrepreneur, like my daughter, she coaches, she has, she coaches women and, uh, she's got clients in 13 countries across the world. And I'm wow. like, how, how are you doing that at 28 years old? I mean, I, I guess you, you know, I guess I did some things right, you know, but. but I, the, the, I can tell the, you how, Don, her last name is long and she's got you as a dad. That's how. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's found I her motivation, but she was given a, she was given a God's gift of skills and DNA to give her a good head start. I can tell you that much. <laughs> she understands that now because when she travels, she still has to interact with some of her people. But, you know, so it, it's kind of a give and take. It, it's not a it's not a clear distinction. And it depends on, you know, when I was younger, I was I definitely worked more. I was more I wouldn't call myself a workaholic, but I probably worked more. When you own a business and you're the ultimate person responsible for it, it's like being president of the United States. You don't you're never off. You right. don't get off. You just it's just the way it is. You know, so if you run a company. Now, I get that most probably most of the people we're talking to on, on your podcast is maybe individual entrepreneurs. Maybe some of them have a few people that work for them. Well, I had a large company uh, that did millions and millions of revenues with lots of people. So it, 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 that always weighed on you. 
because like their lives were dependent on you leading well, you know, so it just, it, there isn't a clear path for me because I'd like to say that I handled it well and I handled the stress well, but there were times on family vacations that my kids could see, you know, I wasn't enjoying the vacation and I couldn't really engage, you know, but yeah. you know, it, you 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 learn they learn when you have a business your family has got to learn to deal with the part of it that hopefully they get a big enough benefit to offset any negative that would be the way i would put it yeah i guess that's really the identify it early communicate often and because that just in the same way that you're when you're thinking about work, you're also thinking about family. It's just that yeah. the family is a little bit more, it's like, it's treated like a given. And and unfortunately people do forget and they treat it like it's a given. And then they say like, I don't have to worry about this because home is always there. I got to worry about the job because I got, you know, say 15 people working for me and, and a growing number, like whatever the, whatever that number is, they, they always think like, if I don't put attention to that, that will break down. And then, everything breaks down, not realizing that that thing that you treated like a given was not a given. And it's, uh, yeah. you know, you know, the interesting thing about it, the world-class business systems, a lot of the mentoring that I got that I, from um, the, an individual, he's passed away now, but a lot of the mentoring I got from him in developing uh, my own systems of thought of how I would do these in mind that he had a different kind of company, but I, uh, then a different industry. And so I developed my own kind of systems that fit my industry because even though the steps are pretty much the same, they definitely have nuances depending on the industry you're in. Um, but the interesting thing about it and what I try to help people with is that, um, and I had two great models in my life to model this. So I did, my dad was one of them and this particular gentleman was another, but you can actually, so uh, the guy who developed most of the, the things that I've implemented here at one time, he was running nine different companies and he was working 80 hours a week. And his, his family was like, you're saying there was, they, he had no family because he never seen them. Yeah. So he developed these systems and it's interesting because he developed the systems in these nine companies. And then suddenly he was only working 20 hours a week, same responsibilities. He required his teams to do things. He he required a different ramp around it. When I say he was working 20 hours, working a little bit more physically than that, but the 20 hours was put into systematic places and not his time wasn't abused. And right. what I've seen with people as they get bigger in business, they uh, let everyone pull at them when you can't do. And so as I started developing this system myself uh, in the company that I ran, four and a half days a week is all I would work. That was it. I never violated that. And the only time that we as a company violated that because our, our industry was, was weather related, it was outdoor. So it was weather related um, is we probably had a half a dozen times in 37 years where we had to violate that because I managed that way. And I wanted people, you know, you, you end up leading who you are to other people. So they, they catch who you are. Leadership is caught more than it is taught. In other words, if I'm around you and you see how I lead, like your CEO, for instance, he would throw the stuff out and he would expect you to know something the next day, right? That's leadership. That, that's what I mean by it's more caught than it is taught. And so when you do that, you have to be the example. 
And so what I always did is that like I told, you know, we, I started developing these systems. This hopefully will help some of the people listening who feel like they're working all the time. And I will say in the beginning, you do have to work more to build a business. I will say that. So don't, you know, it's hard but, until but it's I, not. And it's hard. It, it starts hard. <laughs> but, but I can tell you this, if you learn how to be a, if you learn how to be anal for lack of better words about your time, and that you have certain things that you are not going to let violate, like family, like your daughter's soccer game or, or whatever. That is a that always first and foremost. And you start systematizing your business. This, this is why systems are so good, because most people, um, you know, depending on your personality type. And I don't know if you're if people listening are familiar with the disc model, but. If you are, if you're a C in the disc model, you probably have more systems than I have now, even though I have a world-class business system, you know, but, yeah. but, but by and large, the rest of the quadrants don't, are not really, the top two are not really system people. You know, they just shoot from the hip. You know, that's the way they lead. That's the way their profile, that's the way their personality is. And so just by developing some simple systems, even if it's just two or three people that work with you and you've got, you know, so you got dozens of clients and you're stretched thin, develop a few systems where certain things are repeated processes so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every day. Because that's what most entrepreneurs do in the beginning. They spend most of their time spinning their wheels, reinventing the wheel every day when if they would just measure a few things, put a few systems in place. They don't have to be elaborate. They could be one or two step procedure things that you know that this is the way we're going to deal with this every time. And you do that and it will, it saves time. So you don't have to re you don't have to rethink it. It becomes like the card trick. It becomes yeah. subconscious, you know, and then that way you're not thinking about those 12 different. Look, if I told you, you know, you've seen the, uh, the, the impact, you've seen the, the, the um, table of contents. Well, there's 12 impact areas. If I, if I just come and start shooting you, well, you got 12 impact areas. You got a master before you can be an entrepreneur. Everybody's just going to pull their hair out and run and say, I'm, this is, this is never going to work. Well, this is almost 40 years, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you don't de develop this overnight, you know? So hopefully I, I, what I want to get at is that my dad taught me this and he taught me this. I grew up on a farm and it's hard work on a farm. It's never not hard. And there's always something to do. Um, but what he taught me was, and I watched him model this, is that if you are, if you manage your time well and are strategic, you can get more done in four and a half days than a majority of people get done in six. Right. And this, this is how he trained me from a young boy. And so I had that background in my head. We started the business. I didn't have the systems. I had to build the systems First decade, there was just a few systems. Second decade, I had a lot more. Well, by the third decade, I had pretty much all the systems that I have now in place because I had all these employees and all this stuff going on and I had to have it in place. Um, and so, but you're beginning entrepreneurs, you just need three or four things that are in place to help you manage your time. And if you can do that, in other words, the way I would look at it is don't look at time management as a thing. Look at results focused as a thing. In other words, result is what you're looking for, not time. Manage your time from the standpoint of you putting your time in the key factors that get you the biggest results. That's what I'm saying. If you if you take, like if, if your primary thing is now selling new clients, you should spend 80% of your time doing that right. and only 20 doing the other stuff that you have to do. And there's going to be always things that you have to do. 
but you want to primarily stay in the 80% zone in the highest priority areas of your life. And if you can do that, you'll find that you can get things done quicker and a lot less time involved. It's funny as you develop, you know, systems that it's very easy to just like, also as entrepreneurs, we tend to be like, all right, like get out of the way. Let's just, it's got to get done. Let's just do it. Like there's that mindset of like, we got to do some uncomfortable things. So let's just do it. And it's, it's a bit of a dichotomy that that same person has to also slow down to speed up. They have to systematize things that do stuff. And it's, and it's funny, it's very easy in that early phase of like, I've only got so many clients, so I'm just going to like, just do things. And, and I've learned this now spending the last week, in fact, you know, going over what is like a seemingly simple thing, but we were repeating it by hand over and over again. You'd be like, I need to onboard a new client and, and God bless it. I've got, I've got the luck that I'm onboarding a lot of clients. And all of a sudden we thought like, we're, we're doing this not by rote even, we're just doing it by luck that we have an email, we find the old email, you know, and then go through that process, but never stopping to say like, where are we getting stuck? So we said, okay, that's it. No, no onboarding, no nothing. We're going to spend two days and just sit there on four hour long calls on zoom because we're spread all over the place and just like sitting in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, on a Google sheet saying like, step one, send the email, step two, receive confirmation, you know, seek PO. What if they don't have a PO? Like, and having to go through that and by forcing us to say, well, what happens when this occurs? Then we know where there's going to be delays. We can look back over ones that have been experienced, say like, well, we, we've asked for a PO, but eight, you know, eight out of 10 have not needed one. Like, okay. So, but that may change over time, you know, and, but the fact that we had to say like, I know we could just, I can onboard a client. I could just go do it right now. But I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to wait three days and we're going to use the onboarding system instead. And so we did that and, you know, and it was a huge boost because now I just say, all right, here's the client, here's the contact, go for it. And they know it's, there's the template. Here's the thing we built. You can build automation around it. Absolutely. But it's really, really hard sometimes to like get out of go and do mode and get into, you know, think scale. And I think that's really what it is, is that, you know, same as a farm, like there's a lot of stuff that seems like you just got to do it because there's no way to automate it. But there's a lot of things that are done to free up that time that, you know, like, hey, I've, if I got to muck stalls. There's no no tool in the world can muck a stall unless it's got two feet, two hands, and a fork and a shovel. <laughs> right. But if you do the other things that can be optimized well, like systems, then that time you got to dedicate to muck and stalls is can be done. Otherwise, you're muck and stalls when you should be getting stuff on a trailer and getting it to the market or getting, you know, like you, it's very easy to get lost in the doing. And uh, so, I mean, I, I hate to say I'm talking, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir literally on this one, because I know you, you know, as well, but it's like, I'm, I'm living this right now. And it's, it's been a real eye opener and it's fantastic to have somebody, you have a co-founder who he's just like, Hey, stop. 
build a system, don't do a thing. <laughs> like, all right. That's right. Well, you, you'll be you'll be glad you did because the the, the thing about it is I'm going to give I'm going to give two things because I know I, I can hear people thinking, well, give me some examples of how to save time. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two that that I know will save you hours a week, literally, depending on how much this is abused in your company or what you're running now. Uh, it could save literally ten dozens of hours. So one thing that I learned is that now if you don't have a company where you have a lot of people coming to you for things, this will not apply to you. So I'm going to give that one first. But what we used to do at the company that I ran, anyone could come into my office whenever they wanted to. <laughs> and it basically created chaos, you know? So, and for me, I'm one of these people just kind of roll with things. I just shoot from the hip. So it never really bothered me. But what I realized is, is that people were coming in with some of the same issues or uh, reoccurring things or stuff that could have been answered at our weekly meeting, uh, just, you know, and, and it was taking my time. And when, when we were extremely busy, it, I didn't need that happening. So what I did is I came up with this, with this thing that my mentor taught me. He taught me this. He said, what you want to do is have a board, a, a little, a little uh, clipboard out on a little desk right outside your office. And it's at the top of it, put got them in at meetings. And what you do is that if they really need to see you before the weekly meeting, they can put their name down and they can take one of the 15 minute slots that you put in twice a day for the got them in at meetings. If they can't, yeah. if those slots are filled, they have to push it to the next day. So basically what ended up happening is everyone started honoring this because what I wanted to teach, see, it wasn't as important for me, but what I wanted to teach my team and I had probably... I don't know, VPs, I had two VPs and I had um, maybe a dozen people who were at uh, higher level management. And so they were people who could approach me fairly easy and come in and talk to me. Well, what ended up happening is I started teaching them how to do this by me setting the example. Because right. guess what? The top 10 people at my company, they all were approached by people under them with got a minute meetings. And we were, we were losing productive time all the time. I mean, dozens of hours when you counted everybody's body. So what I ended up doing is like I put two slots of time twice a day where you can have a got a minute meeting with me and put your name down and the time you want. And, and I would put two structured times for 30 minute slots so you could get a 15 minute meeting or a 10 minute meeting and I could put two or three people in there. Lo and behold, the first week I put this in place, no one came to my door, not one person. And I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> awesome. They didn't really need to see me because we right. had a monthly, we had a weekly meeting and anything in the weekly meeting, we could go on for an hour typically and anything we could cover just about anything in that weekly meeting. You didn't need to see me. And I know that only applies to people who have lots of employees, but the, this one right here applies to everybody. And this study was done in the mid 2000s. So this, this is old data. I'm sure it's worse now. My mentor because they were in a magazine business. You know, they were nine different companies and they were kind of a marketing type firm. He had all these emails and he spent literally two hours every day either responding or dealing with emails. And so what he ended up doing is he ended up making a system around it. This is the point of systems. So when emails would come, what he started doing because he responded all throughout the day. So what he did is he put a system in place, and this is what we started doing, is we put a system in place where twice a day, you respond to emails. That's it. 
Bingo. That's number yeah. one. <laughs> number one. Then number two, and I would let the, the teams that I had, I'd let them pick the two times a day they wanted to respond because everyone was different. So I didn't care when they picked, but the, you get two times a day, you respond to email. Number two, you never, ever, ever respond to an email. Don't, don't touch the email. Don't open it unless you're going to respond to it. Because a lot of times people would open it and say, I'll get back to that later. That takes five, do you know, literally mentally, it takes five to 10 minutes to get back into what you were doing just by opening the email. Do not open any of your emails until you're going to respond to them. That's number two. And then finally, when, you, when, when you're in your company, when the subject changes, because he spent, he had nine companies, so it's a little different. He had lots of people reporting. So when a lot of people would respond to the CC and say something else in the email, what he started requiring was if it's something different, change the subject line so I know it's something different or I'm not going to respond. Like if I get a half a dozen people responding to the same email, why would I click back on it six times when the subject line never changed? So right. he required his people to change the subject line. Those three things alone, if you, if you don't have a, a lot of people and it's just you, doing the one of making yourself do it twice a day at a certain time, and make sure that when you open it, you respond to it. If you do those two things, you'll save hours every week, every week. It's uh, and it's a difficult pattern to start, but once you get into it, and, and I've I use a similar thing where you know I, I make a point of, and I used to tell people like email is not an not an urgent communication method because I don't have notifications turned on. I have at the moment, no watch on. When I do have a watch, it's an analog watch. I own an Apple watch, but I only use it when I'm exercising because I want my heart rate. Mm -hmm. I don't turn on notifications. And and I sort of, I'm not trying to take myself back to the, to the 70s. I'm just trying to take myself back to a point of productivity where if, you know, especially that was the thing. I would, you'd be talking to somebody and you'd hear it's like, mm. And they, they would do what you just said. They would, they would make a point of looking at the thing, knowing they're not even worse. They full well know they're not going to do anything about it, but they got to check to make sure it's nothing they need to do nothing about. And it is like, you literally have broken every possible paradigm of productivity by doing that. And so I would tell people, I'm like, I, especially when you're talking to somebody and they're looking at their, their watch like three times and they're like, Oh, I do it. So this way I don't have to look at my phone. Cause that would be rude. I'm like, I got bad news for you. <laughs> this is equally rude. And uh, so I, after the first couple of times, just be like, Hey, do you need to, do you need to take care of anything? Cause you know, we can catch up later. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Behavior modified. Like, all right, I'm not going to do that again. And I'm like, hey, I got no problem. If you got something urgent going on, that's cool. But I like you well, had I mean, to force yourself yeah. to think that way. And it's that's right. It is we we fell victim to that really early. You know, like I used yeah. to wear a pager because I'm old school like that. I worked in technology support, and when the pager went off, it was legitimate. It was done for a purpose. Why do we treat email? But I, I get 500 emails a day to three different email accounts. There's no way that I needed to see 1500 notifications. So I choose to see zero and I have, you know, 
iMessage, I got SMS that if someone needs to urgently reach me, but even right now, I look down and I see the number four on my messages. I'm not going to open it up. So I'm talking to Don. That's the thing I'm doing right now. Prioritize that. And then in in 20 minutes or whatever, <laughs> then all right, I'll take a peek at it. But I'm not going to open that up to then dedicate my brain to something I can't do anything about, take it away from the thing that matters right now in the moment. So effectively, I've, I've wrecked two things. I've and I've wrecked a third thing because I just now I like you said five ten minutes I'm going to be sitting there in background thinking about this thing that I can't do anything about and uh, oh it's a hard behavior to to get past. Well, the technology that was created for us was created to service, and unfortunately, over the last ten fifteen years, it's become this all-consuming thing that everyone wants to everybody wants to be connected all the time, and it's it's actually it's actually t- to a detriment to your own personal life and your business life to be connected all the time. You, you, you just, you don't need it. And for me, it was never hard, but some people it's really hard if they're more techie uh, type people. Uh, my vice president of HR at the last company that I had, she, the only way we would get new technology and we had the finest was that she would approve it because she was a techie person and she was able to seamlessly put all that together for us. And we loved it. And, but the reality of it is, is that, uh, you know, you, the, the technology, you've got to revisit that thought process and realize that the computers, the iPad, the iPhone, the whatever you have is here to serve you, not you serve it. And you really have to, put that back into the, because so much of the day is that people just stay connected and it's useless. Most of the stuff that you're getting text or email or stuff is just like, it's a waste of your time to start with, you yeah. know? So anyways, don't get yeah, into, it. That's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> it is. And it is interesting that there, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I eat organic foods. My favorite, I love to, I purposefully go out of my way to try and shop organic, you know, and I say, and people say like, why do you choose to do that? So well, I like organic food or as my grandparents used to call it food, right? Like I go right. out of my way to find stuff that is kind of like old school, same thing with technology. Mm-hmm. Like now there are people that are coming up with apps. They're, they're going in a way to build more technology to take them away from the other technology. And I said, like, there's an easier way to do it. Just don't, don't do the first thing because then you don't need to buy the second thing to get you out of concentrating on the first, like it's, but it is difficult. It's just become uh baseline. I think where people have a natural expectation, a good, good friend of mine. And he taught me this one. I, it was a, a lesson I thought I had learned, but I had actually not learned it. I try, I tell people I'm going to email you when, if I think of something, I will send you an email, but don't take action on it. Like if I send you, if, if you open your app and open your email at night, for whatever reason, you open your phone and you see your email and you see an email from, don't, please don't do anything about it. I'm just sending you something because it's 11 o'clock at night. I think of something. I'm, I'm, I'm a founder of a company. That's my brain works in weird ways. So I'll be like, I've got to do a thing. And a good friend of mine, he also, he has like 35 people working for him now. And that's in a short course of time. They've grown really, really well. And he said he thought he was doing the right thing by doing that same thing. But then he realized he was doing like that guy with the watch. They were looking at it, 
they were thinking about it. Then they're thinking they shouldn't do anything about it. But then they spend a lot of time thinking what they shouldn't be doing about it. And then they still got to do something about it the next day. So then like he said, so I had to learn as the leader to just schedule the send or don't send it. Right. Like he says, I have to, I have to adapt to the create behaviors by my behavior. And it was, we just think like, I'm going to toss it like a message in a bottle, but it's not a message in a bottle. It's a message in a bottle that someone finds right away. And it says on it, don't open until 9am. And you're like, I I think I got to look in here just to see what this is about. (laughs) Curiosity killed the cat, right? I think that's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like email is nifty because it can, it can create, it's a great way to communicate. But even like my first manager in technology, he's like, if I, if I see three subject lines that are identical from the same two people, he would literally just come by and he goes, pick up the phone. Like if you're going back and forth that much, generally it's because there's a miscommunication that could be solved quickly, you know? And sure. I had this happen recently is we, we, we've, we've got somebody who's helping us out. She's fantastic. Right. So we bring her on and there was just a, a like a literally a typo in something in her contract. And so the question came up of like, Oh, should we like revisit this thing? You know, that was, since we're rewriting the contract, should we just like look at a couple of other things? And so I, you know, we'd emailed like, this is what the confusion was. This is how we're going to fix it. Not realizing that it, A, it's very antiseptic. And secondly, like it was creating, like we were all making inferences and assumptions about what was actually being asked here. And so I, and my co-founder, he says, do, do me a favor, just phone and then email the results of the phone call. So I phone and she's like, oh, you know, I was just asking. Like, I didn't think it, we could do anything about it, but I just thought I'd ask. But because it came an email, it seems like it's suddenly a formal request. And it was like, like <laughs> all these people were, were experiencing this stress of assumptions that could have been sorted in 30 seconds on a phone call. And it's like, absolutely. I you miss, know, the, that, I miss that's those. one of the, the, one of the, yeah. One of the things that I would encourage people is uh, I realize phone calls can get out of hand, but a lot of, a lot of times today, there's so much min- miscommunication with, with information that something, a lot of times it's better just to have a couple minute phone call and make sure it's clear, especially with, with the uh, you know, stuff that's, you know, what I would consider touchy, you know? Yeah. We used to like, we used to people, like people used to come to your door, knock, knock, knock. Hey, wasn't sure if you guys are around. Just thought we'd drop by. Like, can you imagine doing that today, Don? Going to your friend's Uh, house, just like swinging by your friend's (laughs) house, like unannounced. People be like, what's wrong with Don and his family? I don't understand. They just came <laughs> over. And you're like, you know, that's, that's how we used to do it. You, you didn't right. phone ahead. You were just like, I was driving around. I thought I'd swing by. You're like, yep. oh, now you go to text to see if it's okay that they can take a phone call. Then you got to take the do the phone call to confirm that you can set up a Zoom meeting. Then you got to do the Zoom meeting to see if it's okay if you come by. You're like, so or true. maybe I could just swing by and see what's going on. <laughs> so true. So I, uh, I don't want to sound like old man yelling at clouds, but boy, oh boy, some days 
I wish we would just remember the simplicity of of things and and kind of grab onto some of that stuff again. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Don, World Class Business Systems is aptly titled and you are a fantastic human and it's a bloody pleasure to know you in my life and be able to call and have these conversations. Uh, so of course, for folks that do want to connect with you, uh, it is donwlong.com. So I'll make sure they get links there. Um, and so sort of, we talked just before we started recording the idea of this, you know, and, and again, thank you for sharing this, this resource with me and, and being able for me to kind of take it and learn from it, realizing it's a real perfect, a, a compendium, I guess, or it's a, it goes along with a fantastic coaching system. And ultimately that's where the real benefit comes is that these systems, this is a manual, but the manual comes with coaching because yeah. you can't just take the book and build the company. Like sometimes it works for the autodidacts of the world, but ultimately for people, if they want to get connected with you, they should just head over to the website and, and, and get into the coaching. And even you've got lots of, you're a prolific author for one thing that's a you're you're a fantastic manager of your time i i god bless you i am you're a i, I try i try i think i'm like what would my inner don w long do right now to get this stuff done and still still make it to dinner and spend time with the kids um so you're uh you're a blessing to know and people should definitely reach out anything else that you got that you want to sort of make note of for people no, just just check out check out the site if you're interested, you know, and and uh, send me an email. There's a way to to, to contact me, and um, I do different things with the with the systems. And you're right, the, it's actually not that that product is not available on my website as of yet because I've been refining some of the stuff, and I want to really get it. You know, this is kind of a 2023 tour through uh, podcast podcast land with the different people to just kind of open the conversation up and. Um, because I've had a lot of success with the corporate world with this because they, you know, the teams benefit a lot from it, but it just haven't come out with the, you know, a lot of the individual stuff uh, has just now started to come out to the market. So anyway. the good news is that you, you, uh, another fantastic group of folks that are authoring and creating great systematic program, programmatic approaches to things, uh, Gene Kim and uh, the folks over to come called IT, IT evolution, IT revolution press. They often, they'll talk about like, we know they got a book in play. They're preview it for seemingly months and months and months and months. And it feels like it takes forever, but it's because it is, it is like what you've done with the world-class business systems that it's your, you're building this in practice and continuously confirming, refining. So when it does come, like you don't, there is a beauty to holding it close and releasing it when proven. And, and it's versus a lot of folks, you know, a lot of 22 year old Instagram influencers that'll tell you their, their map of life and they'll sell it to you for 27 95. <laughs> and, and it's uh it's worth about the 0. 0.95 of the 2795. <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, you know, it's if if it nudges people towards an outcome and a motivation, then I say good on them. And uh yeah. and hopefully that doesn't steer people away from buying the things that are proven and and tested and and uh that's that's why I like working with you on these things because I know you're not going to hand me something that isn't tried and true. Uh, you know, it made, if it doesn't, and I would say that very carefully, I always tell those people, 
if it works, it's because it has worked. It may not work for you. It may not work for your particular small team, large team, whatever. But a lot of stuff, even you take the industry out of it, the systematic approaches work. So it's, you know, your mileage may vary, flavor to taste, but, you know, use this amount of protein, this amount of carbs, this amount of spice, and you mix and match a little around it and you got yourself a bloody good recipe. So absolutely. Let's make business chili together. There you go. (laughs) All right, Don, thank you very much. And uh, there you go, folks. Do go check out donwlong.com. And if you don't, your day will not be better like mine is. So go do that thing. And uh, thank you, Don. It's always an absolute pleasure. Appreciate it.